This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Black... No, I'm just kidding. The Game Dev Unchained podcast, the number one podcast for game development of developers and the lifestyle thereof. And when I say lifestyles with an S, because it's not just all about me, obviously, I do this with my best friend co-host, Mr. Brandon Pham. What's up, everybody? Best friend here, Brandon Pham. Welcoming <laughs> my other friend, <laughs> Matthew Brown. Matt Brown, what's up? Not much. Great to be with you guys. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's great to see you guys. Man, you guys don't look like you've aged a day. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> we like you already. I got like gray hair coming out and like, I don't know. It's Well, this happened ages ago. So I can't <laughs> but you look richer to us. Uh, Matt Brown joins us. Yeah, uh, he, he was one of our earlier guests that you can mm-hmm. dig through and uh, we'll, we'll link it in the description. You want to listen to an early episode. But this is the part of the podcast where we ask our guest, you, Matt Brown, a little bit about your resume, a little bit about oh, yeah. your background. I'll go through it quick because I've been on it before. But yeah, oh man, uh, I got into games a long time ago. Uh, my first real job was at EA. Then I was at 2K, Bioshock 2. Then I worked on Halo 4 up at 343. Uh, and then uh, went to Ubisoft Toronto, did Splinter Cell Blacklist, uh, and then did a couple of uh, failures <laughs> in uh, in the web game. We worked at Kickside for a bit on a canceled game and then worked at a, another startup with a canceled game. Uh, and then uh, I joined the startup uh, out of games. Uh, I went, uh, I used to work in AI in games uh, and I worked, uh, basically shifted to uh, real AI, I guess, industrial AI, I guess they call it, um, uh, where it's not about fun. But uh, yeah, so I guess last time we talked, I had just joined that company or had been there a couple months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm kind of curious to go hear what I thought of things back then. Right. Uh, <laughs> Great to kind of go back uh, and listen to that, but like kind of segueing off that, that's it's been three years, and you're you're an engineer, am I correct? Yeah, so, yeah, right. yeah. So um, it's been three years. What's up? Yeah. What's been happening in the news? Uh, not much. I mean, I just been chucking away at this company, uh, Bonsai, I guess, which just uh, last month got bought by Microsoft. So that's the big news there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, you know, I'm very proud of it. Uh, because the work is really personal to me, you know, in terms of just, yeah. you know, having taken it from five person company all the way up to, I think we're up to 40 something now. Um, but Microsoft is being pragmatic. About it. They're, they're looking at it as they want to run us as a startup still. So uh, not much has changed uh, except my paycheck now says Microsoft. Which <laughs> is kind of nice. How many, how many um, O's in Microsoft? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's never enough, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I mean, like, one thing that does feel nice is the security of knowing that the company is not going to go out of business. Because, you know, the last, you know, when you're in a startup, even if you have six months of runway, you know, you're always worried about getting that next round of funding or getting the next sale. Um, at least now, um, the immediate stress of that is on somebody else's shoulder. <laughs> Microsoft yeah. is a big enough company. Um, yeah, somebody else is worried about that. So, yeah. Build up the brass from the game industry to prepare for your bootstrapping <laughs> mentality, right? I, you know, the game industry is a really good training ground, honestly, in terms of uh, just learning how to build stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really strangely difficult to, to find people outside the game industry that have uh, the same kind of rigor and discipline and training. Uh, and maybe it's just, you know... Uh, the extra work hours translates to extra work experience somehow or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it's a different pace. So Matt, like a couple of years ago, I feel like you kind of uh, started a trend where uh, engineers especially have moved from the game industry into the tech uh-huh. world. We're uh-huh. seeing a lot of friends now going to Facebook, going to Google, who's been in the industry for 10, 15 years. So like uh, maybe on a personal level or you're, you know. I've seen it myself. Yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've seen it myself uh, with friends doing that. And uh, for a lot of them, it's stability. You know, uh, a lot of these people are getting into the phase of life where they have kids. Um, and some of them are just tired of, you know, having to meet that deadline every other month or every month, whatever your schedule is. Um, and even places like Facebook that move quickly and, you know, I don't know if they do that anymore. They might've changed their ways, but even places that move quickly still don't move at the kind of breakneck pace that gaming does. And um, mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, I can totally understand when people get, I, I don't want to call it burnout. It's more, I, I maybe fed up is a better word, but, right, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, and I don't have kids, but um, if, if I did, Oh man, I don't, it's such a hard having kids is one thing that's very, very challenging. Yeah. And then like having a game development career and trying to you know meet deadlines is a whole other, uh, it's, uh, I, I can totally understand why you would say, especially if you can get a job at Facebook or Google mm -hmm. or Apple or something like that, or unity, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, unity is one. I think a lot of people go into that because it's somewhere in between. Yeah. Uh, unity is so large and is positioning itself as a non-gaming company more of a tool uh in such a way that people can kind of treat it like a daily job that nobody's like most people at unity are not making games you know in terms of they're not on a christmas schedule or something like that uh, but they can still feel involved with the game industry uh so you kind of and they can translate their experience over uh so i think that's why you see a lot of people going to unity the apple facebook google um so yeah i mean security is a lot of it um and i guess you know, also the branding, Google, Facebook, Apple, it's, you know, this sounds nice to say you're fair. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but yeah, maybe the money, uh, the game industry right now, I feel like is in a really weird spot where um, it's nobody can make money anywhere. Like indie games are hard place to make money. Triple A is getting hard because of, uh, and then there being there's investment being pulled out into VR and AR, but that's not making money either. Uh, and so, <clears throat> It's just a hard industry. Yeah, if you want to make money, game industry is really hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand, the people making VR games right now or the people that are making stay in AAA are at least going to be better positioned. Because I feel even with my three years being out, uh, if I tried to jump back in, I th there's a three years of technology change that I would have to catch up on and mm -hmm. three years of uh, best practice improvements. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I would feel behind <laughs> already, you know. Um so I don't know. It's uh, that my guess is for stability, especially if you're talking people my age, a little older, maybe. Um, but I, 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 I'm not one of those people that you know seeks seeks that out my, myself. So being in Microsoft feels kind of odd to me. <laughs> yeah. If you well, where's like the interest between like fake AI and real AI? <laughs> um, How has that been? <clears throat> The uh, in, in, so in in terms of interest, what do you mean, like uh, personal interests or, or like I want to hear a lot of friends that do leave the industry go into the tech world. I mean, it is slower pace, and they kind of miss the 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 breakneck. But you know, of course, not the, the instability. But there is something innovative with games where it's always like pushing. Yeah, no, totally. And and with the deep learning, which is really popular these days, it's very slow, meaning you spend a lot of time building what, you, what uh, your program and making your data, and then you go and spend hours or days or weeks training it. Uh, <laughs> so you have that as a problem. Um, and then there's just the just the, the the I don't know how to say it, the software engineering discipline, the 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 you know i don't know uh the the weekly uh the the iterative changes that happen on a week to week basis in games based on you know feedback from players or design goals or bugs um all of that is the expectations are, are just set much much lower <clears throat> and i haven't figured out why <laughs> um but uh but yeah it's just a slower pace um unless you're I mean, maybe that's a that's a consequence of me not having a live product out that I have to support um, uh, yet. Uh, we have a few customers, but you know, we have like six customers, uh, so, so you know, uh, it, it's a lot easier to to do customer service, and you know, you don't have to stay up till two in the morning fixing some bug um, because you know, if it's going to take four days to train anyway, you just fix it in the morning. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, but I, you know, I, 
I, I get that I get that it's more than just my company. I get that because um, people that come from to my com- the company from other places um, seem to have similar s- cultures and styles. And you know, I think actually the game industry could learn from this uh, a little bit because I think a lot of the 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 poor the a lot of the breakneck pacing games is due to you know unrealistic planning expectations and in, in, in the sense that uh it's culture-wide people have set higher expectations for themselves and their team um oh man it's hard though until you can get the entire industry to do it any one company that decides hey we're going to slow down and only work 40 45 hours a week or something uh, is going to be at a disadvantage if the whole other rest of the industry doesn't follow suit so i don't know how you solve that but um but yeah, I kind of, uh, I, you're still able to get stuff. I, I'm not able, you know, my, my personal problems at work in terms of getting stuff done, people are still able to get work done. It just happens at a slower pace and they just have slower expectations. Um, at least that's my feel, uh, at least my take on it right now. Man, that's such a PSA for leaving games. <laughs> so that's the thing, you know, if you could get, if you get every studio out there making games to just agree on a 55 hour work week into, or sorry, 45 hour work oh, week max. <laughs> sorry, you know, 45 hour, like, because, you know, 40 hours might be tough, but like, if you just get everybody to agree that it's unreasonable, <laughs> uh, and then just to plan accordingly, if that just means a couple of months, um, you know, but it's hard to do that when the, the industry ha- is having trouble making money in general. I don't, I, maybe mobile games are making money. I don't know who's making money right now. Uh, is definitely making money but it's like Uh, the titans are what we're seeing right now is a lot like we're seeing in real estate a lot like we're seeing just in social classes in america even is that like you have the one percent you have the middle Uh, class like dissolving and then you have you know i hate to say it everyone else so to speak Mm-hmm. Uh, there are great opportunities for flash in the pan or like really unique ideas that just have like a lot of word of mouth buzz to still be very successful. Yeah. Those end up feeling like the, like I'm shooting for the moon, you know, and they're so hard. Yeah. Exactly. If it's you're so going through it expecting like, yes, I've done everything to make money. Sure. But that's still not a guarantee. And know? they're also not repeatable. So, yeah, you know, yeah. even when I've seen instances where companies are able to do this, where they're able to make a big game, get a garner a big uh, fan base uh, two or three games later uh, and they have to go, go out of business. It's yeah, it's mind boggling to me. Um, I think the mobile business right now is the one that is uh, the, the, the best cross between a, a, a traditional game company and a tech a tech company because you get your perks which is yeah. lunch and dinner is still but like because they're uh the way they calculate daily revenue right is a lot different from waiting <laughs> waiting yeah. three years or five years development time so they're able to see and change and adapt on a daily basis which is yeah. the big key difference between um, I mean, apart from Blizzard, apart from Riot, those guys have cafeterias. Those guys are doing well. Like, yeah. well, that's it. Like most of the, uh, I think most of the AAA companies are still a little bit backwards on uh, employee perks, at least, you know, employee yeah. balance, uh, because they're stuck in the old development time of like putting all your heart and soul into a project to create the best project ever for everybody. But the overtime thing is an easy, solve- yeah, <laughs> easy solvable issue. Just if you just pay overtime, yeah. <laughs> people will do and pressure you less on overtime. Yeah, actually, I think that's a fantastic solution. Yeah, it, you know, uh, you know, if people, especially if people want to work on on the project, pay overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that's that's a better solution. I like that better um, yeah. than forcing people not to work. Um, <laughs> and especially since um, some projects, you know. I've been on projects where if, when you get everybody on board for working hard, it doesn't feel like you're being exploited. Right. Uh, it feels like you're part of a team um, and paying overtime is the way to do it. I mean, that's the right way to do it because then at least the um, it reflects monetarily, you know, the way that the be- company is benefiting from the extra hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Treyarch has that model set up, right? Where they, I don't know for sure if they've done away with bonuses, but I know they've done away with like salary and even oh, wow. your top level execs or not execs, but your top level like leads, I think are still hourly employees, but just super fatty hourly employees. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, totally. Yeah. But I think that's, a, I think that's a better model maybe. Right. Um, and then if people want to work less hours, more hours, they work through their, talk to their boss about it and mm. they can figure it out. Yeah. Um, I bet Treyarch does not have, you know, turnover problems, is my guess. 
Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, from the last time we talked, right, three years, which is a funny thing because three years is a lot of time just based on, like, Fortnite is huge as you know, oh, yeah. all the things that have happened since it's free to play. Uh, it's the closest <laughs> Crazy to a, a mobile uh, revenue. Is Carlos? I think Carlos is um, on it's the lead. The, yeah, the lead. <laughs> lead program. Carlos is doing fine. Yeah, over at Epic. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Carlos is doing Carlos to you guys. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, should, I should touch base with Carlos. <laughs> yeah, but he's the lead on uh, Fortnite, so he's doing fine over there. But like. Um, the the traditional AAA way, I, I feel like it's very hard to sustain. Like GTA yeah. has been the, the only one that I can think of that has figured it out somehow where they remain to be the top 10 in the last five years. It's a five-year-old game. Every year they've been the top 10. People are still buying it. They're at 90 million copies sold through. Bethesda's done a good job too with Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, they, they are the only one that has been able to leverage and make money from VR because they treat it as a product <laughs> instead of a... The way yeah. I, the way I look at their entries though is they make open world games with tons of shit to do. So like that value proposition. Both you know, of the companies, yeah. I, with Bethesda uh, and Grand yeah. Theft Auto, yeah. I told this story on a train where somebody I, I've told this before on the podcast, but it's been so long. It's it's worth bringing it back up. I was sitting on a train coming home from LA, and these two people next to me were talking about South Park Stick of Truth, and they were like, "Yeah, everything's great. Oh, it seems so funny." They like they were praising the game. And then the guy was like, yeah, you know, I think you should just wait till it's like old and buy it for five bucks. Ah, yeah. And I was like, what the hell? And so I started laughing and I was like, I mean, I, then I butted in their conversation like, you know, you guys, for everything that you've just said, it kind of it, it sucks to hear that you're going to wait for it to be five bucks and then buy yeah. the game. And so one of the guys was offended. And he was like, well, you know, I can pay 60 bucks for a game like GTA and it has thousands of hours of content. Why would I pay 60 bucks for a game that has tens yeah. of hours of content? Oh, that's that's been, yeah, that's the that's the conversation now. Um, there's so much entry every year that people uh, the Steam wish list is the yeah. uh, kind of like the measure of how a game does now. Wow. Especially when you're ending. Yeah. That's so crazy. like. It, if your game comes out, it, it's based on, you know, how many people wishlist it to know how well it does six months down the line when it does go on sale. Because people's library right now, including my own, and I'm sure you guys, you have games that you have. Oh, yeah. It's so many games. I have played. So many games. And so, like, that, that, that summer sale, that Steam sale every season isn't as hot in my opinion, because a lot of people are just so full and they know that it's coming every three months. So people either just wish list it and if it's cheap enough, they'll just buy it and store it. But I feel like that's the mentality. Yeah. And un- unless you're a call of duty where you do spend or, or Assassin's Creed, you buy like four games a year type of thing. If you're not any of those titles, people tend to wait <laughs> until there's uh. another deal now, which is a uh, scary and, dangerous because if you don't yeah. especially the triple a model is like hey day one if it doesn't sell well we need to start laying people off like do they yeah. have the runway they're crazy and they're now you're competing against like things like fortnite free to play um unlimited hours <laughs> you know what i mean right um be that value proposition yeah shit i mean i don't even have the right answer for that um well we're just kind of catching you up man <laughs> you've been just fine on that side yeah do you, do you find yourself still playing and interested in, in, in- uh, yeah i go in and out uh i go periods where i'll play like uh i like the new firecrack came out and i played it for like a month straight i feel like um but that was probably the last one that i played uh and then mass effect before that the new mass effect like, i played a lot of um, but you know, to be honest, I haven't played anything about three months, uh, at least, uh, I got, what happened is I got a Wii and I played, I played some, uh, uh, not a Wii, um, switch, switch. Oh man. I'm, I'm, getting, like, old. I'm getting old. I got a switch. And so uh, I, I just been playing some games on that for a couple months, but I haven't touched it in, in like three. So, um, that reminds me, I should, I should play some more games. Um, honestly, the acquisition has had, had me busy with uh, all sorts of stuff and I just have been distracted, but uh-huh. it's time to get back to it, you know, and get to some gaming. But I try to pay... Okay, I've been poor. I was poor at one point, so I remember being that kid that would wait for it to get to five bucks because that's all I could afford. But that's not, that's not the same thing as what I'm hearing here. These are people who spend $60 on games all the time, but on that particular game, they're going to wait till it's $5, which is 
Yeah. Oh man, that's that's crappy. That's totally in, in, in defense of the individuals. One, I don't say their names, so I didn't know their names. But two, like I'm not gonna just shit on somebody. No, I, and I get it. They're making a value proposition. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they don't like that game. You know, it's but I, it just, it, I just couldn't help but laugh because I was like, holy cow, man! It's, it's like so hard to please. Like you've had nothing but praise. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's another thing I've noticed, and I, I feel like it's changed over the last six years. But gamer fans are holy crap they're they're hard to please Uh, and they're very critical and and i have thick skin uh but man uh you know just like if articles i read about number of death threats and things like that is just unbelievable um i i never got any of that kind of stuff but you know i'm also a white male uh, engineer that doesn't talk to anybody so um you know it's it's crazy um crazy I, I also feel blessed that the gamers are a little bit more educated with the game development side. I think they at least simplify more now instead of just like asking maybe, to, yeah. to Especially the green light and, and yeah. stuff like that has really opened up the process. That is actually probably a, a good thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I can't blame them. Like, I feel like the Apple Store, I feel like there's so many different price models. Yeah, the Steam is, I, I am so mind-boggled at how cheap these games are on Steam. Like, I don't understand how somebody can, can spend a year or two making a game or six months making a game and sell it for 50 cents. Yeah, um, It's, uh, I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, you know? like Yeah, I guess you, you got to do what you got to do. I'd love like to see. starting to become, like, music. Oh yeah, right now it's like it, you, it's more for branding, and then if you get a million you... downloads, that's that's one thing. But I'm seeing a lot of stuff coming out for fifty cents and getting a thousand downloads or something, you know, and that's just heartbreaking, you know. It's a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like selling something for fifty cents might as well make it free and just figure out another way. Yeah, well, it, we're seeing a lot of roads coming together. Let's let's look at a couple of things, and not so much that the market is changing so much, but also game development is so accessible right now. Oh yeah. 10 15 years ago you know what i mean unity i mean just look at Unity's rise in general exactly. so um there's oh, that many man. more people who are making games you have to compete with just because of the fact that top level tools are now free and everywhere and the internet, and have, you know, yeah and have been around long enough for people to actually educate themselves on yeah. it for years um absolutely yeah. um oh man so that's, that's, that's a bit terrifying, but it's also, I'm trying to think, you know, that sounds like a good thing though. That's more games being made, but, um, it's kind of cannibalistic, uh, uh, man. It is, it is. You're, the ebb and flow of game development I see now is like, well, big money projects are probably going to start to die out because there are so many distractions out there that it's going to be too mm-hmm. risky to continue to devote four years time and $400 million. To- and especially if people are not willing to spend more than $20. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe that will work out to VR's advantage because, um, via, I mean, making VR, VR works better in a small area, smaller levels, smaller engagements. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that will, maybe they can, maybe, yeah, maybe that will work in their favor. So I kind of want to ask you about um, last few years, right? There's a lot of non-game uh uh, real-time applications that are starting to rise we're seeing tesla over there trying to get more games into their cars or like i think we're reaching a point where real-time graphics is actually wowing people outside of the game industry and now they're finally like hey real-time calculations can be a, a plausible thing where we don't have to rely on <laughs> rendering yeah. all the time so and in fact I mean, in that case, Unity is doing the right move. With they're putting themselves right in the middle of this um, accessibility of making game products. I, would, I mean, even though they're not game, like a real time products, making that accessible uh, in a way, and then presenting it as a non game product. Um, so they've positioned themselves. Pr- if this is if this is going to be big, they're going to be a big winner. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, on the bright side, this should mean all those people who have learned how to make games. Um, will have jobs yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Seriously, uh, in the same way that like the animation industry helps provide um support for animators who are working in you know in the sense that it's a backup industry that can kind of uh educate people actually i would say more like games is the backup industry animation uh, for animators uh, it might be the other way around where the game industry helps uh, educate and um you know uh 
employ animators and share them across industries. Um, so in, in that way, I'm hoping it'll be really po uh, uh, positive. And it actually, the fact that there are so many people who are able to make uh, things in Unity will help propel it because that means it'll be cheap um, for people who want to try it. Um, so hopefully this will grow into, you know, a real industry on its own um, because yeah, there will be more work in that case. Um, Oh, you're right. So it's maybe it's all cyclical. Uh, maybe this is just a low point, and <laughs> it's all good better from here on out. We'll see. Do you foresee any else, uh, any other convergence between the industries where uh, a game developer is going to be a real-time developer at some point? And well, actually, a huge uh, relevant to my field, actually, yeah, in AI, absolutely. Um, in fact. Um, Olaf, do you remember Olaf? Olaf, yeah. Oh, I yeah, yeah. He just, he just started. AI. Yeah. yeah, he just started a new company or joined a new company, a CTO in New York City. And all, their product is to make a real-time operating system for AIs to use to learn. <laughs> so this is a direct example of, of where basically they, they're forming a company from former game developers. Uh, and it's making it's basically making games, video games for AIs to play. Uh, which so I Ali, um, we have Battle.net AI has Skynet, right? Like, that's just, that's just awesome. <laughs> uh, we should recommend that's what they call it. Uh, <laughs> it's probably a bad marketing move. <laughs> so, there's a lot of AI companies that are concentrated on different areas of AI, you know. Oh, yeah. Bay Area, there's a bunch. I know we have a friend that's at OpenAI that's like I think hand robotics specializing in hand robotics. Oh wow, yeah. I actually I probably might have read some of his papers. Um interesting. Yeah. There's so many AI companies. Um and there's so many that it's I think a lot hard for some people to tell what's what. Um and the technologies are not simple enough that like you should expect people to understand the differences. Right. <laughs> um but OpenAI is doing amazing stuff. I was just there uh last week for a talk. Um but uh, yeah, opening is great. Um, I'm kind of curious to about the hand paper because I've read, we've read a lot of the robotics papers and um, I'm kind of curious about the robotics paper. I, I might've read it. Um, yeah, there's a ton of companies out there. Um, what's been hard for most of them is figuring out how to make money, right. <laughs> which is, you know, um, important. Uh, I feel like we got lucky by starting early with a very patient um, uh customer mm -hmm. uh i think actually we are allowed to mention this customer publicly siemens um hey, I know we worked, yeah we worked with siemens really early on um basically trying to do the same kinds of things that open ai is doing with um using deep reinforcement learning to train robotic robotics to do things in general um, it's a much harder problem than you think um but uh if you can solve it there's a whole bunch of problems that you can solve in the world that actually make money um so so that's why this, I think there's a big focus on this lately, but um, very specifically, I am working in the field of reinforcement learning. Um, and this is all probably boring to everybody who's listening. <laughs> um, but a lot of the stuff that's out there, like chatbots uh, are, are a different form of machine learning called supervised learning um, and it trains very differently. Reinforcement learning. And, and so we're kind of in this weird niche and nobody else is really in there. Uh, Google DeepMind works in there, but they don't have a product for to sell. Uh, and there are a couple other companies that also are in the same boat where they publish papers and they have uh, demonstrations, but not necessarily product. What we focused on is we didn't try to develop, you know, our own AI algorithms. We basically took the DeepMind papers and then tried to figure out how to make it uh, into something that actually people could use to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the real value we brought to a lot of this is that we were able to bring it into uh, some something that a that you could call that you could sell, <laughs> you know, and that's honestly one of the hardest parts um, is how do you package this into something that uh, other people will understand and particularly people who are going to use it are going to understand. Um, a lot of these companies that are working in supervised learning are actually trying to make direct products, you know, chatbots and things like that. And um, it's, it's still up in the air how, how profitable those kinds of businesses will be. So it's still really early, honestly, AI's, really early still so yeah there's still room for more startups and new technologies to come out so it's, i'm excited about the future but um but yeah the sheer number of ai companies is a little intimidating if you're one of them uh i think i i mean the number i heard and this number is probably a year or two old but there were like 14 or 1500 two or year, two years ago and i'm sure there's probably double that now um but uh 
Yeah, but that's the thing. A lot of those are just noise. The you know, the blockchain had that for a while, where people were just adding blockchain to their company <laughs> uh, to try to get some funding. So I think AI is going through that too. Um, yeah. So what's the main goal of the next few years? Are you guys building to replace people <laughs> like <laughs> automation? What's going on? Like, what's the goal? I know every company has their own goals. Yeah. I mean, to describe what we, what uh, Banzai is working on. So internally it's going to be a new <clears throat> secret project and it's going to be probably re-released under Microsoft later in a couple of years. I'm just guessing here. Sure. Um, but, uh, but I, I mean, we're going to maintain but it's, what, what we have is we put together a programming language that people can use and we automate the building of the neural networks and the training of them in the background. Uh, and so how do you use this to make money? Um, uh, you can train a, a robot to pick up uh, a, like, you know, you have a bucket of, of parts. You you can train a robot to find a particular piece, pick it up and take it out, put it on a hook. Um, so, yes, the this will eventually the idea here is we're building technologies that other companies can use to replace human beings at some level. Um, <laughs> but the hope is, you know, uh, with all of the, you know, the argument during the last industrial revolution is that uh there are other uh, industries that will come out as a side of this, other jobs that will come out, that, um, you know, including my own, um, that will benefit from this. Um, but, you know, to a certain degree, if it's coming, whether or not I make it or somebody else makes it. <laughs> I, I, there's a, I don't want to say ethics. It's not an ethical thing, but it's more like a, as you progress and do more, you may have to understand that like, yeah, there might be some burger flippers who have been replaced by an automated machine that slides the spatula, lifts, rotates, drops, slides back out. Mm -hmm. And 500 of those machines may create the need for like three technicians. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so there is, there is some give and take there, but you, the nail on the head that you hit is it's coming, whether it's from me, whether it's from another <laughs> company, whether it's from, yeah, we can't be mad at the progress of industry and the progress of just technology. Cause that is just going to drive itself regardless of you yeah. believing your stick at it or not. And all that we can do as a society is to choose how we adapt to it. You know? Actually, you know, I, I've, I'm a Bill Gates made the suggestion, and I agree with him. He suggests that you tax the robots uh, with an income tax. So, this, so if a robot is going to replace ten people, the company that owns the robot has to pay income tax of ten people's worth, or something like that. Oh, that's uh, uh, and I like that idea. Um, it's a way of making sure that um, the idea here is, you know, in general, the the economy will benefit from more automation. The idea here is the more you can make with fewer people, the better everybody off is. Um, the trick is you don't want the people who own the robots to be the only ones who benefit. And so that's how you do that um, and get it through the politicians. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but that's, to me, the, the ultimate problem. We are really getting into some juicy talk now because I imagine <laughs> if we rolled out like robots that did blue collar work, let's just say, you know, like grunt jobs and things like that, I think we're going to see a population boom like the baby boomers all over again because we're oh, a might, ton of yeah. people <laughs> with nothing to do. Truck driving. I think truck project. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no, I didn't hear that headline then. Never mind. Uh, but, but there are still five of the companies still doing it. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. That is, that is a good point because when I think about it, even though this isn't game dev related, I'll just leave this last piece of info. <laughs> I know that truck drivers have a certain amount of hours that they can drive in a day. You know, they have to take rest stops. They have, they need to use the bathroom. They get angry in traffic, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> you could automate that in whole entire process. The truck can run essentially until the truck doesn't work anymore. You can ship more product faster, high volume, yeah. less you know, less workers' comp insurance claims and things like that. And they're being smart about it. They're basically any deliveries that go to people's houses or businesses can still be manned, and they just do the major city to major city. The major point to point mm -hmm. is automated, um, yeah. and that alone will just get rid of so many jobs. It's terrifying. Yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> God, it sucks. The main scare is like how how. How how does everyone benefit except for the people who own the robots, right? I yeah, Bay Area, the the Silicon Valley elite here are pushing universal basic income, uh -huh. and I yeah. think that's going to be a hard pill for people to swallow politically just to yeah. get through. That's why I think taxes are easier for people to understand, <laughs> and it's the same thing. 
as long as we put the taxes to social services or whatever, uh, it's hard. Oh man, politics. When <laughs> job dominoes start falling, I think the hard thing is like, well, who the hell are you going to sell products to unless you're exporting everything, right? Yeah. Like if if we ruin our own economy and the workers can't afford things or the workers don't have jobs anymore, who are you selling your cheap products to? Yeah, absolutely. So you, nobody wins. Exactly. Yeah. Inequality. <laughs> it's bad. No, I mean, uh, it's. I, I think I, we're talking about it because it, it's. A, I think I heard some statistics like that. Now is like the worst time since like the French Revolution or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and all right, uh, maybe there's a way we can start to shift some of the thinking towards tech advancements that are going to be <laughs> like one of the things that I've enjoyed over the last 10 years is seeing people try to gamify their life where they, you know, they add just that little wrapper on top of things that used to be mundane tasks or like try to help themselves become more disciplined through know, some of these systems or things like, Oh, I'm earning points towards my health because my doctor has given me these many checks. And if I get just one more check, I'm going to get, you know, the company is going to pay me a hundred bucks right like that's one of the things that i got at sledgehammer was there was like a health incentive where you know if you do this you do that they were actually just going to give you like a little bit of extra money on a card that you could use to pay your own. <laughs> and i was like great that's not money coming out of my pocket if i were to ever go to the hospital and it's just it just tricks you into being more disciplined it's it's a great idea and they and, save money because they're paying less hospital copay and yeah, I mean, this gamification is showing up all over the place. It's, yeah. it's. I, I, I kind of like it. Um, uh, I, I've seen it on exercise bikes, I think, or rowing machines uh, recently. Um, and yeah, it just shows up in the oddest places. But um, yeah, no, it's great. I need to get more on on the ones that make me work out. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of there's meditation ones, but you know, um, the three of us should invent that one because I think we got we got enough workout experts and programming in this conversation, <laughs> and it can come it can come to be. <laughs> Doesn't China have like a citizen rating? Yeah. Oh yeah. I we mean, started that. I heard. The thing is, China is. I, I so I. I should clarify. I uh, work. I share an office with a Chinese citizen, uh, Rofan. Yeah, he, uh, he's great. Uh, so, but I get a lot of information from China from him. Uh, uh-huh. China, they love it. They think it's they great. It. Yeah, they don't have this. What we have in the U.S. this distrust of the government, um, and for them, they see um, that it makes their lives easy. <laughs> Every because everything's just in the same system. Uh, everything's super yeah. simple. Um, yeah, and it and you hear these stories of like mass discrimination of some sorts from the system that's happening. Um, but they, his, the, the, his when I asked him about this, uh, it's it's like you know, yes, it's a problem. You know, yes, it's uh, occasionally an issue, but like uh, there's it's never that big a deal, and you can usually work your way around. Uh, I mean. It's there's so many people. Uh, mm-hmm. It's he's very Confucian about it. He's like it's, it's for the greater good, uh, in, in a sense. Um, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm putting. I'm not, I'm not putting his words. Uh, to, yeah. Uh, well, do you mind kind of right. explaining what it is if people don't know what the citizen rating like? How does it work? What, oh yeah. Black well, absolutely. It's really um, black mirror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, and I think Tencent is is a part of this. So there's this whole WeChat app Tencent, on the phone, yeah. and like, so I don't know that. So. I could be wrong. Uh, my history here is very secondhand on all this. Um, but like WeChat, WeChat came out and it basically is like a Facebook that uh, is integrated into all these Chinese services. Yeah. It, was, it was so popular that the Chinese government decided to make it the official um, digital uh, portal for um, for all government services. Yeah. And so I think they made it so that all like high school students had to do their homework on uh, through WeChat uh, and all, all, all this kind of stuff. And uh, the reason why WeChat, I, let me remind you, well, the reason why WeChat was picked up by everybody because they added um, voice to text capability. And this ended up being really important in China because a large number of people uh, are illiterate. Uh, and so the fact that they, that any, like almost any Chinese citizen can use WeChat without having to even read or write was hugely empowering to a large number of Chinese citizens. Uh, and so the government just doubled down. They put everything in there. Uh, and so and they, they. So I think this became as an extension. They were like, okay, well, now we have cameras everywhere and we have everybody's information in WeChat. Um, and they're basically setting up um, 
like a credit so the credit system and also a social security system to track. They decided to combine it all together. So the idea here is your high school, uh, your SAT score, your equivalent of SAT scores, your um, your all your taxes, um, all, every um, every time you get arrested, it's all in the same file. Oh, uh, and they give you a single score for your credit behavior. I think they call it social score. Uh, yeah, and so they give you one number that and that quantifies you as a citizen. Oh uh, and, then, and so and, like they, and, and then they're using it for and like you can't fly unless your social score is above a certain uh, yeah. certain number. Uh, stuff like that. So, like, literally, you if if you want to do like, in a fight with a cop and get like thrown in jail, you can knock your social score below being able to fly or something. I don't even know. Um, it's pretty crazy though. Uh, like, if you're poor enough and bankrupt, and then like, you get thrown in jail for being drunk or something like that, you can basically be banned from flying uh, until you get your your shit together. Um, it's pretty mind boggling. But they uh, but they are they love it. They they I think for the broad majority of, uh, of Chinese citizens, it's a huge improvement over what they had 10 years ago. <laughs> and I, I want some of the gamify personal finance. <laughs> <laughs> and they like having everything in one place, like all their doctor prescriptions and everything and all their homework and their bank account. It's all, in one they pay for their coffee on their phone and yeah, it's all together. It's crazy. It's like Venmo, Facebook messenger, apartment hunting. It's every app that's like a convenience app. Yeah, and it's so big now. I'm pretty sure the new Huawei phones that they're making in China are centered around the use of WeChat. Mm-hmm. So this is how Tencent got enormous. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I actually have a lot of people in my studio here now currently that use WeChat, so I'm kind of familiar with it as well. I'm oh, okay. Past. Facebook is way behind, man. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you just have to get over the fact that it's basically government, you know, controlled and censored. I guess whatever they want to call it. Um, detail. Yeah. Yeah, I guess government <laughs> monitored is a better term. Maybe I, I don't know what the I don't know what the politically correct term is. In You've seen the Black Mirror episode, right? It's called Deep Dive. Yes. Which one is that? That's the one where you have a citizen score and oh, you have yeah. to act a certain way because it's user reviews and you can go in certain parties and belong to a certain amount of people. Basically, Uber ratings. When I tell that to my Chinese friend, he laughs and says, that's a very American idea. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's a lot more complicated because it's based on actual things and not someone's opinion right well you know what it is is we're not allowed to have a facade when other people get to tell us how good or bad we are (laughs) like we are now held hostage by how other people think we are so therefore (sighs) we always have to be like nice and we can't just be honest or i guess the opposite of what i was trying to say yeah i know i I get what you're saying there Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I don't. I, I'm not China. I haven't lived in China, so I don't. I can't really speak uh, too much about it. So, uh, but that's a very gamified type of <laughs> everything. Everything, yeah. Everything. It's producing the response that they want, right? Your citizens are be- more or less being better on average. Like if you were to just look at the whole, people are trying to raise their score because they're going to be held accountable or set back if their score gets too low. I think people are just naturally competitive too. You know, people are just competitive. You know, I remember when Xbox 360 first came out with the gamer score, I was buying games just for the gamer score. And gamer score was meaningless, you know, like, uh, but just to get that number up, uh, just, you know, maybe I can get a better girlfriend or maybe I can get a better job. Uh, You know, it's, it's, you know, I don't factors in dating over there. It's like you got to be a certain citizen score. <laughs> That's a good question. Having a low score for sure. <laughs> if I was, was 6.8 and you're a three? Like, yeah. Belong together. I don't date anybody who's not at least this crazy. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, that's yeah, that is a wild. I'm curious. I, guess it's I think so it's too early to I know. know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And also, you know, it might just be maybe these are going to be problems and they're going to find out in a few years. Um, how, how old is this system? Uh, it's, I think it's pretty new. I think okay. it's like they just so they put it together in the last year. Too. It's seven years, I would say, it's evolved. It's my guess. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't guess. Know. A complete guess. <laughs> I, I don't, it's I, from what I've heard, at least the, so WeChat's been around for a while, but the actual social score, I think, is pretty new. Oh, social, yeah. social score is pretty new, yeah, within yeah. The, the last two years. But yeah, WeChat's been around for a while. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Man, so 
when DC I think America about, will ever do that sort of thing? Do you think I Facebook will implement some type of score for it? I, I think mean, they already have our data. They already I, have. <laughs> I think it's a cultural thing. Like I, Americans, it's like, like to their core, this is something they're against. Is, yeah, distrusting that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I mean, Chinese citizens know that the government listens to all everything they say online, you know, and like, I don't know, maybe it bothers them, maybe it doesn't bother them. Um, but that would not fly in the United States if everybody knew, you know, although I guess the NSA does listen to everybody's conversation. Oh. Um, actually, maybe I take it all back. <laughs> maybe we don't care as much as I thought we would. Um, <laughs> I, I can I can say that we do care, but we don't understand how powerless we are currently. Yeah. Right, like yeah. we still think there's a semblance of privacy, or there's a and that's like yeah. people don't know. Yeah. I have a, exactly. At least the government tells us we have privacy. We have you know? indirect control, and they have direct control. But I think China tells their citizens the same thing. Like yeah. they, I'm sure they say, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing yeah. to fear. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a great book. I'll, I'll, I'll just uh, throw out a shout out to anybody who's out there into privacy. David Brin wrote the perfect book about privacy called uh, The Transparent Society. It's taught in schools. Uh, it's fantastic. So it's, I don't make any money off that. Um, but David Brin, he writes science fiction books. And then he wrote a book about um, – uh, anyway, we're getting on a sidetrack. He wrote a book about privacy in the future given the way technology is going uh, and – there's only two ways it can go, basically, and one of them is, looks pretty bad. So, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if these social scores will eventually have DLC content, <laughs> <laughs> or or maybe like you know, pay to increase it, like you know, bribes. Yeah, there's power leveling. You know, there's that like I hook you up with five stars, you hook me up with five stars, right? Like, uh, yeah, hi neighbor, five stars. Where's mine? Like that. But, anytime, you, anytime there's a game uh, por, uh, par, part of it, there's always someone trying to cheat it somehow. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, min maxing. It's uh, it's maybe part of human nature to want to just get that extra bit, you know. Yeah, but you know, you see it on Yelp, you see it on app reviews. I mean, I feel like I see it on app reviews. People do that. I, I've had people contact me saying, "Hey, if you give my app five stars, I'll give your app five stars." So I'm sure people out there do that stuff. Um, so I think it's human nature to a certain degree. Yeah, uh, yeah no, dirty, right? Dirty. Uh, yeah. It's just uh, that, again, brings me back to my reflection on just where money and society is going, right? Like everyone is trying to do whatever they can to try to squeeze 10, 15 extra dollars out of their ventures, like unscrupulous tactics. Everyone is trying to do whatever they can to get more followers, get more likes, get more views, get more. And they, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I think, I mean, I feel bad going back to an inequality, but it's just yeah. like, yeah, I mean, people have to work harder to, to mm-hmm. just get by. It's crazy. So I, I want your perspective since you kind of been out for like three years doing real things. <laughs> like the streaming culture has been huge the last three years since you've been out. Like, what's your perspective on that? I'm so old is my perspective on that. In that, like, I never really understood the appeal to Twitch uh, when that, and, and it just has grown. Um, and the streaming of like competitive gaming has just grown. There's a friend, I have a friend in the office. I had no idea. He, I didn't, I had no idea that he, I don't even think he plays the games, but he watches the competitions. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I think it's a good thing for the industry. Right. Absolutely. hundred percent. But uh, I don't personally understand it. <laughs> but to me, it's, it's no different than watching NBA or NFL. Yeah. Like, I want to see top level people doing unbelievable <sighs> feats of strength or uh, feats of skill in competition against people who are just as capable, you know, yeah. what I mean? because that I creates right. moments of amazement. Whereas when me and my buddies just go play, you know, football or baseball or basketball, mm-hmm. there's a lot less athleticism, <laughs> you know, a lot less excitement. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. You definitely get this. It's definitely more exciting. You're right. Uh, I just have never got into it, I guess. I, I feel like, um, but yeah, you know, I think it's a great thing for the industry though. Um, Twitch itself is just a bizarre phenomenon to me that, I mean, I understand how it can make money, but how it makes so much money is crazy. <laughs> it's, it's doing fantastic. Um, yeah, I haven't been particularly following it myself, um, but it is definitely a wave. Um, yeah. And also the fact that there's a, I've, what I feel like has grown really is that there's an actual feasible 
ecosystem of streamers and streamer support companies. There's, I'm even seeing like specialized products, like specialized microphones and cameras just for streamers. Um, I mean, that means that the streaming, that, that means that, you know, streaming has spun off like whole product divisions uh, at different companies, which is kind of crazy to me, um, but it's all good. That means there's more jobs for people, you know, <laughs> you know, selling streamer specific stuff. Now it's less gaming specific. Uh, hopefully more of this will, you know, prompt people to spend more than five dollars for the games um because i feel like you know the advertisers are, are not the advertisers but twitch and the i mean I, I actually the streamers that are at home streaming at home doing the hard work of making videos they actually deserve the money they're making i don't know about twitch, twitch monetization how much it pays out but um but yeah i mean because some of that's probably coming from actually none of it's saying coming away from games because it's not like people are saying oh i'm not going to buy a game so i can go pay for twitch yeah uh, it's that's not happening so um so I, I, you know, it must be good for the industry. It has to be because it has to build. It has to be, be a way of fostering excitement about the games. Um, but maybe they need to focus on other than the top one or two games. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I think League of Legends. I think the the problem is that the companies themselves sponsor the um, the tournaments and sponsor the, yeah. the. And so there's no incentive for them to do a Dune two or, or, or a Warcraft two tournament or something like that. You know. Uh, I guess Blizzard probably could make some money off that if they did, you know. That would be fun. I'd play a Warcraft 2 tournament. <laughs> so there's actually, a, I was having this talk recently with somebody, I think it was somebody at work, where I was saying, I have this, this, this is my old man soapbox moment where I'm always like, you know, I just feel bad about Twitch when it comes to single player games, you know, where one person very famous can play your game and play through the whole story. And now all their followers who are watching the stream are like, great. I know all the twists. I know all the plot points and I've seen the ending. Thank you very much. And I've paid no money for it. You know, mm-hmm. um, oh, that is painful. So, and on the one hand, I'm like, oh, at least people are seeing your art. And then, yeah. yeah but on the other hand, they're not really experiencing it as it's supposed to be experienced and they didn't pay for it. So, so I, I thought there was an opportunity for a happy medium where it's like a little more self-policing, but a, like, a mutual understanding between streamers and developers in a sense of like, let's say you do want to make a single player game. Like you don't want that ruined by as one streamer playing it in front of millions of people yeah. who's going to get money for that. And you don't. So we kind of propose this idea of what if there was like a gentleman's agreement, like, Hey, if you play this game in the ESR, in the, what do you call it? The EULA where it's like, all right, Kate, you can play from level one to 10 and show whatever the hell you want. Uh, we really don't care. But 11 through 13 is like the final arc. Everything closes. That's a no streaming part of the game. Please don't play that. You know what I mean? And if I you like can play that. I mean, as long as people would, would uh, agree to it and follow it, I think that's a great idea. Uh, what I was going to suggest, and I think it's actually not that good of an idea, uh, is but it would at least... Um, get some of the, the the revenue, the lost revenue back, which is uh, if somebody's going to stream your game, you have to pay per, like stream a game publicly, you have to pay a license to, per hour or something like that. Oh, maybe five uh, bucks, that works, yeah. Something like that. Um, and that way, you know, uh, they'll get, you know, maybe they're getting paid through Patreon or something like that. And they're like, okay, it's going to be worth it. I'm going to end up paying 20, 30 bucks to stream this, but I'm going to get so many views because nobody else is going to do this and nobody else to finish. I don't know. Um, but nobody gets past this in Battletoads. This is going to get so many views. I don't know. Yeah. Um, There's just no policing in the game. Yeah, that's we don't the have thing. Unions, like, we the gentleman's agreement will be broken anything. the next but, day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the problem with that is that's the global warming problem where everyone is like, oh, I could see how this is an issue, but it's not an issue to me today. And so the cannibalizing of the industry will continue. And then we get to that point yeah. where everyone's like, well, fuck, it's just too risky to make a video game. Yeah, it seems like everyone's Trans- profiting from the game industry except for the game developers. It just <laughs> always seems to be that. I mean, it's because you're at the um, the other end of the money. Like the money has to go through the distributor, then you know, and then through the you know the executives, yeah. and then down into the. Yeah, you're the last like the one. People playing cake. your games, yeah, more money than you. It's like ah, oh, yeah. it's frustrating, man. It is very frustrating, uh, and it is frustrating to see even from the outside. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping this is just, you know, a low point that's going to turn around as soon as VR takes off. And I think VR will take off once the headsets are, are out there and there's enough of them. Um, but th- th- there's enough of them that people are willing to say, OK, I can put $10 million into making this game because there's enough headsets. Um, right. I think VR is is the future, although like the adoption rate is really slow. But like the single player problem 
won't be a problem in my opinion like people watching someone playing a vr game is exciting but it's the someone putting on the headset that is the enjoyable experience that can't be replicated on the 2d screen right i think that's something that still is going to be valuable for people who want to try it um it's just going to be there are a couple companies um and i don't know if they want to be mentioned that are doing where you can be a spectator at uh in vr so if you want to watch your friend play you put your vr headset on and you're just a spectator um and, and they're working into some pretty cool stuff where you can actually twitch you don't have to be tied to their view you, you can move around them and yeah. and not be visible to them and that kind of thing um but yeah it's i mean that stuff is pretty early though um but it's exciting ar i think is also going to be huge but it's it's needs more tech than vr so it's mm. going to be even longer down the line right. um but it's then you'll just see gaming everywhere. <laughs> uh, gamification of everything right here on your face or however they end up doing AR. Um, yeah, I, I am excited about AR personally. I that might get me back into the game industry if you know doing something exciting in AR. Yeah. Um, just because I'm excited about the applications and all the stuff you can do. Um, AR would be great. It'll be a, a primer to battle bots. I think you can do. I think you can do with AR what Facebook has done with for people sitting at home on the web, in that you can gamify people's behavior. In that, uh, you know, let's say you have an, uh, uh, you can really like. Uh, here's just a stupid idea. Like you make a game where the goal is to make as many people walking by you on the street smile or laugh or something like that. Uh, and the idea here is, you know, you can actually try to influence people's behavior in the real world in positive ways. Hopefully, hopefully, people use this for positive behavior <laughs> uh, pranking yeah they're pranking people <laughs> i mean I'm sure there's gonna be some weird stuff where you can like you know do um scavenger hunt ar scavenger hunts where you end up you know pranking somebody's house by putting all the stuff there or something i don't know i'm sure there's gonna be opportunities for real world ar pranks but um yeah. i'm excited i think that stuff's fun yeah. AR, I'm every time we talk VR, AR, I get super excited because I I just want that world to just like, you know what? I'm tired of being in California right now. Let me just download Hawaii real quick. You know what I mean? Yes, virtual vacations. Yeah. Or or even in AR, like, hey, this is a a layer that I'm adding on top of California where (laughs) that used to be my local 7 Eleven, but now it's a bank that I need to go heist with my buddy and we're going to run in there and, like, you know what I mean? Great. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> all yeah. types of tra- like, wasn't that a huge problem with Niantic Labs when Pokemon, Pokemon came out? Go. Like, yeah, people, people were, were going to Pokemon, going to the ghettos. But the thing <laughs> is, Pokemon is the like problems. Yeah. yeah, the problems they had though were, are, I think, good examples of the potential. Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, they obviously had bugs, and they, I think the problem is they didn't anticipate how much of an influence they would have been. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the problem. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I can't wait, man. Just yeah. add that extra layer on top of life and just make it a little more sweet. It's going to be fun. And yeah, I mean, just customizing everything. Like you can have a version of your house for guests, a version for when you're working, a vision mm-hmm. for when, I don't know, mm-hmm. your lady's over, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess they have to have AR glasses too. But <laughs> I have to speak to this a little better. <laughs> I'm going to say this right here, right now. This is my prediction. We are in the last 10 years of televisions and monitors. Mm. Yeah, I, I believe we're about in a, we're in ten years of like oh f- this is worth why would I get that projectors or some sort of hologram exactly we're, we're not going to need physical oh, I cannot stuff. wait actually if that's true years, I cannot wait well Microsoft <laughs> demoed something like that right didn't they have like a hologram where they were showing someone in a workspace and it was just like dude like showing up in your living room and you're talking to him Holog- I saw that video. Yeah. I did, and actually, I think I saw it live. They did this a live demo too. It's uh, that's not a real product yet. Right. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. Yeah, it's it's their version of a concept car. Let me put it that mm-hmm. way. Gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, that's their view in ten years. They they agree with you. Um, the, the but you know, I'm I'm hopeful. I you know, I don't know enough about holographic technology and. Um, and that kind of stuff to know with 10 years. But I'm actually 10 years seems reasonable. I'm hopeful. Yeah. I've always said the reason why we have slow technology advancements when it comes to holograms is because we're trying to do it assuming that the eyes need to see it. Yeah. <laughs> mm. What I mean by that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm crazy, man. I'm like, look, just go inside. Plant. I don't need to see, you know, I don't need to see anything projected in the world. Just have my brain believe that it sees. Uh, yeah. 
That would be great. Oh man, that's the future right there. Exactly, exactly. exactly. I mean, there are a couple companies out there doing uh, brain control, like you know, hatch you around that you supposedly think can control. It's very primitive right now, but man, it never gets better. I'm brave enough to try out SDK version two. I'm not a version one, but I'll do version two. As long as they don't have to do surgery, I'll I'll try any version. I guess. (laughs) Maybe version two. Maybe you're right. You know, who knows what goes back. I feel like a lot of these new technology that's exciting. And the reason why we're talking about it, because a lot of it has a lot uh, stems from real time calculation and pretty much like game development uh, tech, like being able to have optimized data running in real time is like the basis for a lot of these things to work. We're moving further and further away about pre-render especially the movie industry and these type of things in applications can be exciting for, I, I really do think the future of game developers will be a lot in non game. Yeah, space. I think so too. Um, there's a ton of expertise there uh, in the game industry. I mean, um, you know, yeah, maybe I should do more recruiting from game industry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, there's a ton of talent there. Um, and just, and when I, and to be more specific, um, there's a ton of knowledge about how to just get shit done right. um, that I feel like I miss, <laughs> you know, the idea, like how to prioritize and how to figure out, Oh, you know what, you know, we both want to get here. Let's just ignore this other noise and, you know, get shit done. Um, I think I, I, I got off on a tangent. I don't know if I actually answered <laughs> your, your comment. Um, no, you did. I mean, you're, you're, you're a pioneer. Like you're, you're a trend that I've you know, we both seen like three years ago where I, I feel like it's a bad trend now. I feel like I don't want to be that pioneer. You know, I feel like uh, it's a bad thing. Um, but it's good that everyone's employed. Like, <laughs> yes, that's true. It's a non sustaining type of industry. If we are left to our own devices, where the Apple didn't save the industry with the whole mobile market, and then the indie stemmed from the mobile trend. Like we would have been still stuck in the PS3 phase where studios were just closing down. There was a weird oh, three, four years where like every studio, every three months was just closing down. And it wasn't until Apple came out where like everyone jumped on that ship and where Steam kind of jumped on that ship with indie push where it saved yeah. us. And it took, I feel like every few years it took a, a, a company outside of the game industry to save the game industry. Like the VR was bought by Facebook and that reinvigorated the game industry again. That's true. Like I, I don't I don't see EA and Activision going in there like fixing things. Like Epic, yeah, Fortnite is a phenomenon. But yeah. let's see how long that lasts. It's still a game, right? What's great about that is like it's taking AAA game away from the console, making it mobile and accessible now to everybody and making money on free to play, right? You're right. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Maybe Magic Leap's going to be that. I mean, there are some contenders out of the wings. Um, oops, uh, I don't know if I put something. Um, there are some contenders out in the wings. So, I, you know, there is hope for that. Um, I, and I, I'm hoping it's not quite as dire as you make it out. I, I face the real-time fight myself in terms of in, in AI, everybody's going towards more and more computers instead of making their software faster. Um, and... You know, um, and I've had, I've, to a certain degree, you have to, I have lost that fight. There's a certain amount of effort I have to make. There's certain places where performance really matters, especially in reinforcement learning, which is, uh, you know, it needs low latency. There are certain things that have to be really fast, but the the large, but the 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 large hammer that people use is just more computers. <laughs> uh, and uh, the reason why the game industry hasn't gone this direction is or at least AAA, um, and probably mobile as well, is that you're on fixed hardware where all your competitors are all on the same hardware. And so uh, to a certain degree, at one point, you know, whoever whoever could make the best graphics on that particular hardware would make a lot of money. Uh, I simplified, oversimplified that a lot. Um, but, um, and so for certain, for the, I think that's the reason why there's been such a focus on it in gaming, is uh, especially AAA gaming. And maybe there's not so much in mobile because they have a lot of cloud services. Um, but, um, with console gaming, you still have to care about every millisecond. Mm -hmm. Um, 
outside of gaming, you don't. You know, uh, I, I, for example, I'm, I'm arguing uh, not really heavily, but I'm, I'm trying to make people care about a 40 millisecond latency problem where there's something adding 40 milliseconds to um, every time I, I do this remote function call. Uh, and they're like 40 milliseconds. That's nothing. I wouldn't worry about it. And, and, but coming from gaming, like that's a whole frame and a half. What are you talking about? Yeah. So it's, you know, uh, different expectations for different kinds of technologies, but um, I think there always will be, uh, you know, uh, places where you need to have that expertise there are fewer and fewer of them but there still will always be there um uh-huh. for example uh we lean on tensorflow to do a lot of the heavy lifting for that and so on the tensorflow team people are doing all sorts of low-level assemb- uh, assembly in c++ i'm sure uh-huh. um but uh there's less and less as time goes on it breaks my heart i, I my first programming language was, was assembly language so i'm i'm a really old guy who who <laughs> likes to do things the hard way um so you know it i love to do the low level performance improvements so the fact that it doesn't matter anymore kind of is painful to me because it means that a whole you know, set of expertise is largely uh, unimportant to my career yeah, job Nostalgic for punch card programming. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> I can really eke out a couple more cards per second <laughs> if I did things right. Oh, um, but yeah, that's the thing. You know, nanosecond. You know, optimization has very few places uh, in in the wider tech world these days. Maybe I, when you even said like oh, 40 milliseconds, people are, are like, oh, whatever. Is it, do you think, and this will be my last question, maybe it's because they're immediately comparing it to zero versus oh. comparing the entire load and then the 40 milliseconds. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. Know. And I don't, I mean, and he might be right. I don't want to disparage too much. Uh, you know, it's, he was comparing it to, um, what are typical web API speeds. So like 150 milliseconds, 200 milliseconds. Um, and so in that context, 40 milliseconds isn't a really a big deal. Um, but in the place where I was talking about it, uh, it, before this change happened, there were only five milliseconds. And so five milliseconds was a, a lot to me, but, you know, I could deal with. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just a matter of priorities. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if they decide they don't care about 40 milliseconds and they don't care about 40 milliseconds, it's their call, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but in games, they would absolutely care. It would yeah, be like, yeah. you don't go home until you get rid of that 40 milliseconds. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of going home, uh, <laughs> I've looked at my clock and it says we've been podcasting for over an hour, sir. And oh, wow. since you've been here before, uh, I don't have to explain this to you, but I'll explain it to the guests who are just listening for the first time and who have made it to the one hour mark. Brandon and I usually go and get coffee and we step away from the microphones and we allow our guests to talk directly to you guys, the audience, to shout out, promote or broadcast something they're really excited about, something they're involved in or something they just want to raise awareness for. So without further ado, Mr. Brown, the floor is yours. Oh, man, I am totally unprepared. I am so glad you gave an intro because I totally forgot about this. It's been three years. Um, yeah, I, I mean, actually, I'll keep this relatively short, but since we're over an hour, and I'll but basically, I think I did something similar last time, but, you know, inequality, get out there and vote. Uh, I, I don't know why politics are really important to me right now, but it just feels like everything's really crazy. And so, um, yeah, get involved, do something, get out there. Um, make your community better um, and try to talk people to pay more for their games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I don't have more, something more meaningful to talk about for the next five minutes. But, uh... <laughs> hey, as long as you mean what you say, then that's all right. I'm Larry yeah. Charles. I'm saying good night. Thanks for joining us. See you guys next week. Thanks for having me. Take care. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.